0: This is Drummers Resource Podcast, session 674. And the quote of the day is learn how to see, realize that everything connects to everything else listening to the drummers resource podcast home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers music industry professionals and thought leaders inspiration education and motivation for drumming and beyond and beyond and beyond Hey, hey, what's going on everybody? Nick Ruffini here, episode 674. Thanks for being here. Thanks for checking out the show. And this is a really great episode. I have Ruben Spiker on. And you know, it's interesting, and I'm sure that a lot of you will, uh, will attest to this, that I talk a lot about, about Instagram or social media in general. And I actually found Ruben through Instagram and was just completely just blown away by not only his playing, but the way that he changed up style and sounds and all these different techniques and things like that, but also the tutorials that he does. And it seemed to me that he was a guy who would dive deep into particular subjects and and learn these particular things. And then now having this conversation with him, that is definitely the case. And we go into that about how he did deep dives on, on multiple different drummers. But then we start talking about just the idea of learning in general, and learning other disciplines, and we talk a lot about Leonardo da Vinci and 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 how he learned and how he, he was constantly experimenting with things, and he was a polymath and 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 was a master at multiple things, and his friend circle and things like that. So, a really interesting conversation around how everything in your life is really interconnected, and and when you learn new things, whether it be something that has to do with drumming or not, can definitely help you in the drumming world and vice versa. Things that you're learning in drumming may help you in the gym or things that you're learning in the gym may help you with some other thing that you're trying to do, whether it's building a house or something like that. There's there's all this interconnectivity that that I think is really, really great. And we get pretty deep on on that kind of stuff in this episode. So I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's get into it with Ruben Spiker. Ruben, how are you, buddy?
1: I am fantastic. Thank you. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. I really, uh, I really appreciate you being on here. This happens a lot, too. And I feel like I, I talk about this in the beginning of episodes a lot, but there's always, there's always, uh, weird scheduling changes. And sometimes it takes a long time to get people lined up and stuff. But when I'm the one who, who cancels or moves it or something like that, I always like to, to publicly uh, (laughs) apologize so that everyone to to you and so that everyone knows, uh, you know, who the, who the real culprit is of when things get moved around. So I, I I apologize. I appreciate your, uh, your flexibility.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. You did a good job of communicating and you, totally worked within my hours too. So I appreciate it.
0: Perfect. Of course, man. Um, You know, I, before, uh, before we jumped on here, I've done this a couple of times on, on your Instagram page where I'll just sort of go down a rabbit hole and, and just like (laughs) watch video after video, after video, after video. And I, I, the thing I really love about the stuff that you do is it's not, it's not always just the same thing sort of, regurgitated or recycled or reused or anything like that. Like I love, I love the fact that you're always exploring and, and messing with sounds and, and feels and grooves and, and things like that. Um, when you started when and we'll, we'll talk about the whole Instagram thing uh, a little bit down the road, sure. because I've, I have, cause I have like some pretty strong opinions about it that people have heard me talk about, but um, uh,
1: I don't mind. You can, you can bash me and I don't care.
0: <laughs> oh no, 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 not, not uh, like that, but, Um, It's okay.
1: Uh, That sounds good though. Sorry. We'll put a pin in that and come back later. Okay.
0: But when you, when you started initially putting videos out on Instagram, was there, was there a goal to it? Were you trying to get gigs with it? Were you trying to, or were you just like, Hey, let me just share these videos and sort of see what comes of it?
1: Uh, It's kind of funny. Um, because (laughs) I was told by someone, um, I went to, my cousin had like a, a house party and I I never really go to parties at all, ever. And I went to this party and one of her friends just said, Hey, you know, <clears throat> you're trying to do this drumming and music thing. You should get on Instagram and, you know, try to promote your name a bit. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just put it off and blah, blah, blah. I had like a YouTube channel going at that point And anyways, like maybe a few months after that i finally checked out instagram and the only reason i got it was just to like try to start get started with it and uh if you scroll down to the bottom of my page it's yeah it's ridiculous i played. i think the first post i made i think it was like about a one hand paradiddle and then i have just random stuff after that like jumping off of rocks into a pond with my brother and all of these <laughs> random so it started out with just you know okay i'm supposed to get on instagram apparently and then slowly uh once i started working at Drumio and getting a little bit more into then i could see the the positive side of like okay you know maybe it won't help you get local gigs but like maybe on a global level you can get your name out a little bit more mm-hmm. and if you know if i wanted to be able to do things like teach clinics and if I wanted to, you know, possibly be able to reach artists in other countries, it's a pretty cool tool to be able to do that. Um so then it was, you know, inspired me to take it a little bit more seriously and and uh post a little bit more and yeah, that's that was kind of my goal with it. I didn't expect to get lots more local gigs or anything like that, but I just I knew it was a tool you could reach many more people around the world. So Mm -hmm. I thought I should
0: you know, get on with that. That makes sense. I, and the, uh, I guess we can get into it now, but the part where I always talk, (laughs) where I talk about Instagram, I, I think, um, I like, I like that you went into it with consciously, so to speak. And we're thinking where this could go and what you could use it for. And I think that a lot of times people get on Instagram and just, they just want to show chops and and things like that and it doesn't and i and i think that at the end of the day they're doing their self a disservice because it's not i don't think it i don't think it's going to help them i don't think it's going to get them anywhere i don't think it's going to it's going to do anything and i actually think that it can hurt someone where if they you know if you said oh yeah i'm a drummer and they go into your instagram page and all they see is you blowing chops all over the place for every single video it's like man this guy just plays a lot of notes you know um and that's, yeah. that's, that's my only, that's my only beef with, uh, with quote unquote, like Instagram drummers, not that I put you in that category, but, but that whole sort of that whole world.
1: It's okay. I think, you know what, the, there's, there's a deeper part to this issue, like, um, I just thought about something random too. I just said, um, and my wife told me before we started this, she's like, Hey, you're doing an interview. Make sure you don't keep saying, um, like you always do. I just caught myself doing that. That's funny. Okay. What I was about to say though was, um, thank you. You just said it before that. It sounded like I, I got into Instagram with like a lot more thought into it, but Honestly, I I didn't have a lot of thought. I was told I should get on Instagram and I just kind of did that. And then later on, I realized the tool it could be. And then the other thing was like, once you do start to get a bit of an audience and you do know that there are a few, you know, really talented musicians or even some possibly some famous people watching your stuff, it makes you double think about what you're going to post. So like, okay, if this person could possibly see that, you know you want to make sure that it's something that they don't go like, "Oh, what is this?" or so it's that can kind of help with the mindset, but I think i I often sometimes fall into the rabbit hole of having the unhealthy relationship with it too um It's just something we have to watch out for, which is like you can fall down the rabbit hole of just posting about chops and showing off because maybe one of your posts. That you posted got a ton of attention and you see all those notifications and you kind of, you know, all those neurochemicals start firing in your brain and it feels really good. So you think you should do that again to get all that attention again and then you get into that cycle. So I can see how people are easily stuck in that thing of only posting chops because chops often seem to get a lot of quick likes and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So I can see how that happens and I've definitely caught myself a few times trying to create content about that or filming something and then like, oh, I'm just filming this because I think I want attention. Whereas like, it's kind of the same as like performing a drum solo. It's like, as long as you're thinking about what you want to play and what you want to um, express, usually good things will happen. Even if you make mistakes, at least it's kind of honest. Whereas like, rather than, you try to play a drum solo to show off to get, get the excitement. Sometimes you find you even make more mistakes and it's like a negative headspace to be in because you're just trying yeah. to, you know, get people to like whatever you're doing rather than actually properly expressing yourself. So I can see totally how drummers get stuck in that tra- or musicians get stuck in that, you know, chop posting mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it does... It does suck. If you get stuck there, it's kind of just like then social media runs your life. And if you're not careful, you can also turn into kind of like a personality that's maybe not you. So you think you have to keep up that persona as well. And then you can get burnt out from trying to do all that. So yeah, I think
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's, it's quite a... Um, I, in general, I think just got to be careful with how deep, you are attached to social media, I guess. I kind of yeah, just went on a bit of a rant there. Sorry.
0: <laughs> that's that's what you're here for. We're we're here to listen to you. <laughs> uh, and I, I think, and there's the other side too of of the things that you post and the criticism that that you can get from it. And and I, I say this all the time. Yeah. You know, St- Steve Gad could throw up the most amazing video in the world. And there will always be one person that comes on and says, this guy sucks. He's the worst drummer in the world. Right. So
1: it's, yeah, yeah, you're you're
0: never going to get away from, from critics and, and cynicism. Um, But how do you deal with that? Because I think that's one of the, I think that's one of the big things, not just with social media, but just putting out your work in general, just creating something and putting it out to the world and, 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 being vulnerable to let people judge that, right? So you put this thing mm, out, and for you, mm-hmm. let's talk about specifically about Instagram. Like you put something out, you know that you're going to get some negative feedback on it, no matter what, right? No matter how great it is. Um, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: How do
0: you? It's how do you
1: negative deal with it? Oh, it's either negative feedback, or maybe you don't get any feedback, and you put a ton of work into it, and it gets no. <laughs> That's true <laughs> too. And that can too. get you in the same low spot. But then you have to remember the algorithm will actually control a lot of it as well. I find like, if you don't post something for quite a while, then all of a sudden you post something that gets a lot of traction. And then the next few posts after that don't do so well. And if, if you don't remember that it's like the algorithm and the, the site, not necessarily people not liking your stuff, that will help uh, as far as like, not falling down the rabbit hole, but negative, <laughs> yeah, negative responses and comments they suck and sometimes they're a little bit funny and I try to every now and then I engage with them, but sometimes I just like let them go and I'll scroll past or um, yeah. Uh, sometimes. Yeah. Maybe if it's like, whatever, depending on what they say, if they say something that's just like, you know, they're just coming on here to start some whatever political stuff or just totally you know, maybe I'll just block that person or something. But usually I just let people say whatever they want. And then often I'll just ignore these other comments. Sometimes I'll respond back to them. The worst one I've recently got, uh, it, which makes, it, was, it just made no sense at all. But like, I posted a video about these like three different ride symbol techniques. And it's just a breakdown of these three three techniques. It's a really quick video. Just go through a few of them, a couple breakdowns, a couple tips in there and lots of wonderful comments. And then there's like plenty of comments where people are like, Hey, you should just be eating more food because <laughs> look at your wrist. Like so many comments were like, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. It's like, so that's like another level. If someone is like bashing you physically, that does not like, that feels a lot worse than if someone's like, Hey, this is just, you know, oh, you're just grooving. I bet you can't play chops. Or, and then if you post a video about chops, then people are like, oh, you probably can't groove at all. So you always get those.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're like, make up your mind, people.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, come on. But, but that was the worst one I got recently, which is that ride simple one. Plenty. I mean, some of them were like funny though. Like you can't let it get to your head because at the end of the day, it's like whatever. But like there are people who are like someone get this banana a sandwich. <laughs> it's kind of funny, but like at the same time, it's like, wow, I, I bet you wouldn't say that to me in person. Yeah. Um, well, there's a lot, there's a
0: lot of keyboard warriors out there for sure.
1: Yeah. But that some of them, I sure. was just like, yeah, well send me some food and I'll eat it. Like <laughs> the <laughs> yeah. funny thing is, uh, people send me a door dash
0: eat... gift card and I will, uh, yeah, I'll I'll I will gladly food.
1: eat for you to make you happy. <laughs> and I, I think people would be alarmed at, the size of meals that I actually can eat. It's not my fault. It just goes away. right, Like <laughs> <laughs> anyways, <laughs> it's
0: so ridiculous though. It's like yeah. what, you know, what that's obviously about them and not about you, but it's like, what's going on in people's lives or in people's worlds where they're like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go online and I'm going to criticize someone I've never met before. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know anything about them except I see their videos online and I'm going to, I'm just gonna criticize that. That just boggles my mind. Because to your point, like you would never, you would never say that to someone in person mm-hmm. or that you just met, and you would just say, "Hey, you need a
2: sandwich or something." <laughs> <laughs> it's like the most ridiculous. It thing
1: sounded ever. actually really funny when you just said. <laughs> <laughs> but it's you just it.
0: I mean, it's it's. I don't know. It blows my mind, man. Absolutely <laughs> blows my mind. Um, yeah. I wanna I wanna rewind a little bit and just and, and okay. talk about I, I'm I'm really interested in, in I try I, I did try to do as much research on you as I could, uh, just understanding like where sort of where you're coming from stylistically, mm. you know, what mm-hmm. what your influences are and things like that. Um So talk to me about like growing up and, and getting into playing and, and sort of the stuff that you were listening to was there, you know, was there music in the home? How did you, how did you Mm -hmm. sort of shape your, your style uh, and, and your listening preferences?
1: Um, So I grew up and my dad was actually a drummer. He played drums in church and bought his first drum kit back in the eighties, had some Epic long blonde hair and uh, yeah, he played drums in church. He had this massive drum set with like rototoms and everything. It's this huge Pearl export kit. Um, he loved like drummers like Neil Peart and all those players. So when I was like, I guess since a baby or however old, he would go during sound check, we would get to church and he would just put me on his lap and just put sticks in my hand and kind of just let me bang around. So That was kind of my first intro to playing drums was from that age. And yeah, once I got a little bit older, I could kind of sit at the kit myself. Then when church was over, people would go downstairs to drink coffee since they're all European Mennonite people and they love their coffee. They just, they do that every day for, (laughs) or not every day, but for anyway, that's like the church thing. They go have coffee. And the drums were left alone upstairs, so then I would just
0: Where so where were you, you were you in you weren't in Canada then?
1: Oh no no we were in Canada. There's lots of Dutch gotcha. people and stuff gotcha. around here. So Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. At least in Vancouver. There's like a a ton of of European immigrants and stuff. Um
0: Really, I never knew and- now we're gonna get sidetracked, but I guess I never knew that there was a dense population of of Dutch people in in yeah. canada i mean i would think french right but like well
1: maybe it's just this this po- this little pocket in bc or the fraser valley growing up here there's just lots of european families um or at least like the grandparents generation are right. they all came like after world war ii i guess um, interesting but there but since but now there's actually a lot of other many different cultures moving here which is really cool um not so much in the small city where I live, but in the bigger cities, there's a lot of other um, yeah, people from different countries and stuff. And it's really cool. Um, so it's, yeah, I like seeing that. Um, yeah, for sure. And anyways, this, yeah, this, <laughs> this uh, church we were going to, um, people would go downstairs to drink coffee and I'd be left alone to make noise upstairs. And that was kind of like how I just got started playing drums was just making noise and having someone tell me that i only play the same thing every time and i should try something else <laughs> that was
0: was that on you know, instagram then, no i'm
2: just kidding
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was the very first post yeah <laughs> the one yesterday i posted yeah yeah <laughs> um and that that was like the start of it then eventually we left there and moved away and then my dad for some reason left the drums there. I I never knew why he left the kit there. Um, So there was like a a pocket of maybe five or seven years or something where I didn't really get to play drums after that Uh, until we got the kit back and I was like in middle school and then I could set the drums up in my room. And then finally again, I was making a bunch of noise every day. And then that was the same time where we just kind of got like internet and um you could search for videos like on google and i asked my dad i was like who's the best drummer in the world daddy's like (laughs) oh it's neil peart he's like you gotta check out neil peart (laughs) and but he actually still to this day he calls him neil pert so that's um, what i call him too right his name is actually peart
0: i'm sure i'm sure i'd say it wrong but
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's neil peart um so then I searched him on Google and you see that massive drum set and all those toms, those big fills. And that was kind of what got me hooked and into trying to develop my skills as a drummer. And then I didn't take it serious until like end of high school when I started telling people, I think I want to try and do this for a career. Um, And then that was when I just started practicing really seriously, discovered different styles. I really discovered all these different styles and players from the branch off of Neil Peart and hearing him in interviews, talk about drummers who influenced him. So I would check out those drummers. And then he talked about, talk very highly about players like Buddy Rich and how, you know, just trying to play to that level, which he, he himself said he could couldn't achieve. And he just, you know, he was talking very highly about Buddy Rich and then he'd talk about Keith Moon and then he would talk about John Bonham. or um, So I went and checked out all those players. And then through YouTube, you know, you just have the recommended th- videos come up. So then I would find out about players like Dave Weckel and all those. And mm-hmm. and then different styles of music, like, at the same time. And it, it kind of, thanks to YouTube, was... Is how I, I I learned about all these styles of music and different drummers and stuff.
0: It's um, I think yeah. I I, I just want to sorry to interrupt you, but I want to point out mm-hmm. something that you just said that like we kind of went through pretty quickly. But the idea of okay, you find someone that you like, you find Neil Pe- yeah. near Neil, Neil Peart. And,
2: yeah,
0: <laughs> uh, you you know you find him, but then you f- you find who they listen to. So Bonham, Buddy yeah. Rich, all these other guys, and then even going back. I mean, that's some of the best advice I ever got too. Was like, who who do you like? Then find out who they listen to. Find out who those people yeah. listen to, and you start to understand. Like, and I'm guessing this is what happened with you too. Like, you sort of, you start to understand. Where these people are coming from, their drumming starts mm-hmm. to make a lot more sense, and you start connecting all of these dots and it to me it was like it was like a big unlock and i I just spent I spent hours and hours and hours on um on drummer world and just watched every yeah. possible video that I possibly could, but same thing, like they would mention a person and you go back and mm-hmm. i think I think that it's such an important thing that you mentioned that, and I just wanted to call that out for people that are listening like Whoever you're listening to now, like if you're, you know, even if it's a newer drummer, if you're listening to, when I say newer drummer, like I'm not, you know, not the John Bottoms of the world, but like if you listen to a Nate Smith or if you listen to a Benny Grab or, or anyone else, like figure out who they really dug and who they, you know, who they grew up listening to and then, and then find out who those people grew up listening to. And, uh, I think it'll, I think it'll do a world of good for sure. Um,
1: Yeah. And there's two things I want to mention about that. One is how, you know, actually, let me go back. So I think the reason I found out about those was because my tendency is to get absolutely obsessed about something when I like it. So with me, it was drumming, and I've done that with, with various drummers throughout my journey. Um, I'll pick someone who I just like, Whoa, this is amazing. And I'll just soak up everything about them. So I'll watch every possible video, listen to their music. And if I can find interviews, I'll watch every single interview just to hear them talk about things about their past or what they do or, you know, their process just because I really want to soak up everything. And so it it was like finding out about those drummers and, you know, all these little things is because I wanted to soak up everything they had and it, it can help you. Like if you can become someone who becomes really obsessed about something. Yeah, of course it's, it can be very unhealthy because you can, of course, being completely obsessed about something distracts you from everything else, but it can really help you to develop fast. And I think if you have a player that you're modeling yourself after, like if you're obsessed with it, you will, get inside their material on like another level. The Mm -hmm. only issue with that is that you develop, you become a clone. And I had that basically for each stage of every drummer that I got obsessed with, I kind of turned into their clone and then eventually would graduate out of it. So actually from Neil Peart, the next, you know, I had a handful of those drummers who I kind of got like lightly obsessed with, which was, I had a small Bonham phase, a small Keith Moon phase, um, mitch mitchell and you know check out all those players a little bit of buddy rich and floating around until i saw a photo of jojo Mayer in a music store out here and then i didn't know who that was so i looked him up on youtube and then wow i was like I couldn't understand what was happening. I actually just switched to the next video right away because I was like, "Wow, I don't understand this." <laughs> next video, but then <laughs> then I came back to it because I was like, "I really need to like understand what is going on here." This is just how can you do that with your left hand and in that weird grip? How do you possibly like? I can't do that with two hands. And yeah, so that that sparked my next obsession. I became completely obsessed with Georgia Mayer on like even a deeper level than with Neil Peart. And eventually I had to come out of that because like, yeah, to, in order to be a proper artist and express yourself, you can't be a clone. I mean, all that mm-hmm. stuff's been done before. No one wants to rebuy. I mean, maybe there are some people who would like to rebuy famous paintings, but you know, they're nowhere near. They're not, you know, it's just a remake that someone has copied. Um, so I yeah. had to learn how to, you know, kind of move away from all that stuff. So I, I got so, so obsessed you, with. How oh, do you oh, do that?
0: that though? Like it's such a there. I have so many questions about this. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when you're, you know everyone everyone talks about it, and and we all have done this throughout our lives. Like you find a you find a drummer and you get obsessed about them and you're listening to everything they do. You read everything that they've ever been featured in. You know, you watch every video that you can possibly find. What do you, first, first question, what do you do with that information? And, and then second, how do you not sound like a clone of Neil Peart or Jojo Mayer or, (laughs) or insert drummer name here?
1: Well, there's a, I think it's a process. Um, And I think, it's a process that comes with your, you know, like getting good at anything. You'll have the first phase of excitement and then maybe you have this rigid phase and then you have everything completely down and you can, you know, do everything technically perfect, but maybe there's just a little bit of soul that's left that's missing out of your playing. So then, you know, the, that mastery circle means you start from the beginning, you know, nothing, but you're kind of free and excited. Then, you know, Then you have the very rigid phase of being technically right. And then eventually, you know, you get sort of like just below master, which is pretty much technically perfect. And then the master phase almost goes back to the beginner phases mindset, but you have the skills of the technical pro. And I think you kind of get that. I mean, it's the same with, with drumming. You have like... Maybe it's not, you know, exactly like when you become a clone of somebody, it's not, you don't go through that process becoming a clone of them. But I mean, I think that clone thing is in the process of your overall drumming journey. Um, So I think once you realize that you want to kind of express yourself and once you can realize that you have not been being honest with whatever you've been playing because you've been putting a filter of this other player over whatever you want to say as long as you can realize that you're not being honest and you haven't been properly expressing yourself, then you can get outside of that because it's like, as long as you're like, if you get to play a drum solo or you get to play a gig with, I don't know, a funk band or with whatever band it is, your own group, maybe you get to put together your own dream group and, you know, and you want to actually create music that means something to you. You know, you could play all that stuff that, you know, from the different drummers that you've cloned Mm -hmm. but if you want to be happy and actually really express yourself you have to be able to do that yourself and i don't think you can you can't you can't undo that unless you're prepared to really truly honestly want to express yourself and your own ideas you know if you've if you've had that process of becoming a clone of someone You'll have a lot of, you know, you'll always have it as your influences and it'll always be part of your journey. But until you can decide you're going to properly express yourself, I don't think you can be free from it. So it's a process of that. It's just like kill off all those filters of everything that you play. So like what I had to do, sorry, I'm, I'm going very long winded with this. Um, this is great.
0: I love this. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> What I personally had to do is maybe not the same for everyone. Is right. so in the JoJo Mayer phase, it was hilarious. It was so bad, and I'm I f- can't, the the embarrassing part about this is that I've interacted and met JoJo maybe half a dozen times and had the pleasure of seeing him play and all these things. The cringy part is that I met him during that phase, which is so embarrassing and i'm sure he's probably seen some videos of me playing and i made like a whole bass drum technique video before his his dvd came out on youtube and i was down the jojo rabbit hole so i'm sure he's seen that and it's just like oh this guy is just freaking ridiculous i can't believe (laughs) so it just feels (laughs) terrible that i i met him in that phase and i'm sure i'll never live that uh down i'm sure i'll always be this annoying person in his (laughs) books
0: <laughs> Were you like uh, asking him specific questions about like how he does a particular thing or?
1: Uh, no, the first time I think I met him, um, I was like, Oh, Hey, Jojo. And I was trying to be all cool and not too fan, fanboyish. And I think I had mentioned to him um, cause I knew he put leather on the bottom of his shoes. He got those shoes made so it could be slippery on the pedals and I had tried it myself. I couldn't get leather put on. So I like tried all these other different ideas. Like I was even putting socks on the outside of my shoes just to get that slippery surface happening and trying everything. So finally I ended up just going to get these shoes. Like I went through the process of finding the right shoes and then found leather and found a shoe cobbler and got them to, to do this and put the shoes together. Anyways, when really? I met in person, I I had, I was like, Oh, thank you for, the idea of putting leather on the bottom of your shoes because I was doing all this and putting socks on it and I, he's, it was right before he going up to play so it's kind of like <laughs> understandable as, it's just this weird random annoying kid
2: <laughs> he, it's pretty he treated amazing me though well,
1: he treated me well though <laughs> I've, just, I've had a few of those interactions where it's just like um, especially working at drummer at, at Drumeo I've met a few well you get to meet all these amazing players but i just put my foot in my mouth sometimes just saying basically saying things that are like over my head and then afterwards i can't believe that i said that it's basically i've just i was just nervous so i was just speaking without even thinking and just yeah. saying stupid things but <laughs> anyway well, as the world, I'm going my with this. yeah um Where was I going with this? Okay, so you were asking how to not become, how I got out of the clone phase. So like I was saying, I got super obsessed with Jojo. I was at the point in university I was even trying to grow my hair out so I could have this Afro look. Um, Now my hair is thinning out, so it doesn't even work. I couldn't even do that if I tried now, (laughs) which is hilarious. The photos from back then look ridiculous.
2: And then I was like trying please, to buy
1: please all send these the photos. Cool. Please send photos. <laughs> Thankfully I don't have a lot, so uh, but
2: I think it was you're lying. Really...
1: <laughs> <laughs> I could I could probably dig some up somewhere. But it was nice. just like embarrassing the level of um of like obsessiveness I went to to try and dress more funky and make these, you know, all this stuff and wear the shoes and play and buy all the gear and the sticks and use this pedal and cymbals and to the point of where you, you get to every movement you make on the kit, you've memorized how they move around the kit in different situations. So in a jazz setting, in a funk setting, in like, if he's playing rock music, what does he do? Even to how these people kind of talk. And I never would ever adjust my, the way I talk, but like, I'm, I'm good at picking up. And I think I've heard Peter Erskine talk about this, like where he thinks jazz musicians are good at impersonating people because they're, they can, they've trained their ear to listen to things and just pick it up and they can memorize, you know, they know the rhythms and the intonation or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I picked up on some of those things and just really tried to get into the rabbit hole. And the, re- the way I was able to get out of it was coming to the realization that every single thing I played, even in that university when I was studying jazz music, rather than actually studying these jazz masters, I was putting this filter of how would Jojo play it over everything. So I had to basically take that filter off and try to think, try to go inside myself and be like, okay, what does this music call for? And what do I really want to say? So it was like trying to like, rewire that way of thinking um, to where I'm not putting his filter or any other drummer's filter over it. Now, sometimes I think it's okay if you play something and you feel like, oh, this is almost kind of like a Tony Williams inspired idea. Um, that's I think that's okay. But as long as you're not trying to put that over everything you do, and these ideas come to you from, you know, your proper emotion and what you want to express, then I think that's fine. And that's like, actually what you're supposed to do. (laughs) And I think that's Mm -hmm. the only way out of being a clone. And the other way to stop being a clone is actually just to cut everything off. So I had to stop listening to his music. I stopped watching videos with him. I just, I just had to cut it all off. Otherwise I would constantly be in his vortex of inspiration. (laughs) Yeah. It's,
0: I I think, I mean, I, I don't, maybe, I don't know. I don't know if everyone goes down, that road a little bit where they're just, where, and I forget who said it on the, on the podcast. And I wish I had remembered, or I wish I remembered who said it, but they were talking about like copying and pasting. And I think for me mm, too. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, like I've heard so many people talk about this, so I'm guessing it happens to a lot of people who are listening too where you get, you go down the rabbit hole of a drummer and then you just start copying and pasting. Right. Yeah, and then, yeah. and maybe you get out of that, maybe you don't, but I think that, that if you don't then to your point you just you're just dropping these things in that stylistically maybe don't make sense musically they don't make sense they're not really you know they're not really you speaking in your own in yeah. your own way you're just like it's like having a conversation and just regurgitating something that you read out of a book or watched on a movie or heard someone else say and right. you know
1: what the dangerous thing is, though, is that you can get to a point of where you've soaked up so much stuff, though, that you were saying, you know, sometimes stylistically it doesn't fit. But sometimes you soak up so much information that you can actually play it, you know, you can play it stylistically perfect and do something that fits in perfectly. But the issue is it's completely through that, that lens of the other person. So you're still lying. It's like what you just said. You could regurgitate what you heard in a book. And you could have this fantastic conversation. And the, maybe the person thinks you're a genius and you know so much about neuroscience, but actually you're just regurgitating some random stuff you've heard someone speak about in a podcast. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, you're actually not smart. You're just regurgitating this stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. But sometimes, you know, maybe it's all correct. And you you had this really nice flowing conversation and you put on this facade and it worked out. So you know, only, you know, that you're lying. And I think that's the same thing about playing. It's like only, you know, deep down in your heart, if you're actually expressing yourself or if you're trying to put on this lens of someone else, you know, to try and play like them.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. It's a very good point. It's time to design your dream kit. You have a sound and look in your mind's eye, and it's time to make that dream a reality. Your sound emerges from the choicest materials and is constructed using the exclusive Sonar Optimum shell measurement construction, utilizing slightly undersized shell diameters, allowing the drum head the space to float freely with unrestricted bearing edge contact. Your look emerges through the ultimate selection of veneers, hand polished lacquers, and premium coverings to create the stunning look of your dreams. Design yours today at sq2-drumsystem.com. One of the things that you had mentioned, and and you had said this earlier about about changing your approach from sort of toying with the drums a little bit and, and having it as a hobby into taking it very seriously and getting and and you hear that phrase a lot right so yeah that's when i really started to take it seriously at this point oh, or at yeah. that point for you what does what was that transition like for you and and what is your advice for people who are who are maybe in the back of their mind know that they're that they're dabbling and they're not really practicing or mm-hmm. acting like a professional what was what was the shift for you
1: for me it was um so it was like a gradual shift that just keep like you keep finding new gears you need to shift into uh, new things you have to improve on. So I feel like it's kind of an ongoing thing because there's so many levels to trying to being, you know, being a professional, like there's the whole playing side, but like, you know, there's a whole financial side. There's like, you know, doing your taxes. There's like, then there's like being able to hold proper Relationships with people and communicate properly and showing up on time and like that's another side of professionalism. You learn about then, you know. So you kind of learn about all those different things, and then sometimes you don't you don't know that what you need to do until you kind of make a mistake. Until you you play with a, a band and you show up late and you don't know one of the songs and then. You know, you kind of learn what you have to do sometimes just <laughs> getting thrown into it. Um, but the shift for me was, um, I mean, first of all, I'm I'm a very, um, I can be very hard on myself. So the first shift was, you know, you watch a video of, of whoever, Dave Michael or Georgia Mayer on YouTube and you're like, oh, here is a million things I need to get better at. So why don't I start with that? I know I suck at this. I can at least just you know, I I want to be a pro, I should probably learn how to do this then, and not suck at those things. So you start there with what you suck at, (laughs) and then you try to improve. And then the more you go down the rabbit hole and, and you listen to, I always loved hearing interviews with other musicians. So like, you know, an interview with Marcus Miller, he was like, hey, you want to be a professional musician? That's great. You can do it. You should practice at least two hours a day. And so I was like, okay. Um, another musician was like, hey, you, you want to be a professional musician? You need to be good at working with people. You need know, to show up on time and you need to do this and, you know, you need to learn your stuff. And another interview with someone would be like, talking about some other part of, of, of that. So, it was, mm-hmm. it was a gradual transition after trying to improve my actual playing. And then the improving on yourself is something that I think kind of constantly you know you constantly work at that you can always find flaws in your playing and you can always find things you can be a better human at
2: <laughs> yeah
1: yeah i think it
0: you bring up a good point too that there's there's so many other aspects to uh, to what really goes into being professional like we we talk about it a lot on the podcast like there's there's the playing aspect of it but but it's sort of to me, I look at it as like, that's a given. You have to be a great player, right? Yeah. But then there's all of these other things, whether it's, whether it's, you have to have these sort of interpersonal skills or you need to know how to, to handle taxes and finances and things like that. You know, how to need to know how to, how to book a gig or, or yeah. have, have good communication skills or, you know, there's all these other things that go into it, which, which at the end of the day, without sucking the the life and the art out of it is like, you have to be a business person and an artist at the same time and, and figure out how to juggle those things. And now even more so like all these people who are recording themselves, now they have to be an engineer too. So now they have to be an engineer a drummer and, and this, this business person and it's sort of this juggling act. Um,
1: Absolutely.
0: And it's not easy.
1: (laughs) By no means is it easy. Like, it sucks having to do those things too. You just want to play drums and music and make fun artwork with your friends. You don't want to have to learn how to do taxes on your own. That's really not fun at all. <laughs> you don't want to, I, I hate selling things. I'm not a business person. I hate having to do all that stuff. But I realize I need to do it. And you know that's an, an area that I feel like I'm lacking. And so I want to try and get better at that myself. Um, yeah. And like you said, you know, I had conversations with um, many conversations with Dave at Drumio and he would often say things like, well, what does it mean to be a professional then in your mind, if, if that's your goal to be a professional drummer? And it's like, yeah, I guess there's different aspects. Some people, <clears throat> their mind is just like, okay, professional drummer is just making your living off playing the drums. a a professional drummer means you're touring with a or like, or they would say a professional drummer is like you're touring with a big artist. Okay. Then you're a professional drummer. If you have that and the brands and whatever, but then it's also boiled down to like, okay, you know, are you a professional drummer if you do all that, but then you act unprofessional. (laughs) Right. Um, And then also like, boiling it down to like well what do you really truly want to accomplish because maybe your your heart's desire is not the same as your view of what professionalism is if you truly just want to make music with your friends in the city you live in you know you don't need to pursue those huge gigs and pursue all that stuff but if your goal is to do that stuff then yeah you have to go down that route
0: Mm hmm. I, my take is I think that if you get paid even a dollar to play drums, then you're a professional. And then whether you (laughs) act professional or not, that's a totally different story. But like, I I don't like the, I don't like the, the stigma that you're not a real musician if you don't make a hundred percent of your income playing Mm. drums, or you're not a professional if you don't make a hundred percent of your your income right. from playing drums and i think that is i think that's such bullshit and you can go back to the beginning of time and look at any musician and a lot of these guys had had side gigs and you know had or some had full-time jobs some had part-time jobs i mean even some of the most famous musicians in the world uh you know had had side gigs from time to time yeah. or or yeah. whatever you know especially Especially working musicians, you know, not like Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about like the Michael Jacksons and Stings of the world, but like, you know, the the blue collar at McDonald's.
2: What do you mean?
1: I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, no, it's it's. You're totally right about that, and that was encouraging for me to hear uh, in my journey. That you know, I would listen to podcasts with other musicians just to again soak up more random info, and you know, you hear about a famous, I won't mention his name, but just like, for example, you would hear an interview with this famous bass player talk about, yeah, when I moved to New York, I actually had to take work at an office job during the day to be able to pay my bills. And then I would just play at night. And he's actually like, yeah, one of the top bassists in the world. He plays with huge artists and he, you know, that's something he had to do. So it's, it's normal. says, you know, if you're trying to get going, Sometimes you just have to do what you have to do to, to get by. And that's actually what I'm doing right now is I have like a side gig myself just to try to pay my bills. And I'm trying, trying hard to get my own stuff off the ground, my own kind of career. Um, Yeah. I,
0: I had this conversation. uh, There's a, there's a mutual, my wife and I have a friend who is a, she's a, let's just call her a creator. Um, not okay. a musician, but, but, and it, and says the same, says the same thing about like wanting to just do make art and, and do those things. Um, but can't pay our bills. And, mm-hmm. and I think that there's, and I'll, I'll never forget Bermuda Schwartz told me, uh, on the podcast, he, he's been playing with Weird Al Yankovic for 30 at this point, like 32 years or something crazy like that. So he's Mm -hmm. been with, he's been with them for a long, long time, but, and he's like, I've got, I've gone, cause you know, there'll be times when they're not touring for years at a time sometimes. And he was like, and he was like, you know, I would go get, I would go get side gigs and things like that. And there's no honor in starving for your art. And I was, and I was just like, Every, it was, as soon as he said that, I was like, "I'm going to put that in my pocket. I'm I'm going to use <laughs> that all the time because it's so true." And I think that, and sorry, I'm on a soapbox, but I think that uh, we we think that we that we think that we always have to just do this art and not do anything else to make money. And if we do something else, then that sort of that sort of negates our authenticity or something like that. But then the flip side, we also think that like were or in addition to that i think that sometimes we we think that we need 8 9 10 hours a day to always just be making art and i yeah. think that's bullshit too i think most of the people who aren't super busy uh if they're not working and they're just focused on their art i think they're focusing on their art 2 or 3 hours a day and the rest of the time yeah. they're probably screwing around and watching tv and just like you know going or, to starbucks
1: you know learning other skills like if yeah if i was a billionaire man of course, two hours or maybe three hours of my day, is just all music and drums. And then maybe I I would try to like play a a show every day or something if I could. And then the rest of my day, I'd be like learning new skills and trying all the, I don't know. Yeah, I I would just like, there's so many things I want to learn how to do. It would be so easy to fill my time up with like that stuff. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to have drums be, you know, my whole entire day because, for example, when it's sunny outside, it sucks being jammed in a practice room. Um, (laughs) Yeah, there's so many other amazing things to learn. And I think they also, if you get out of your, your art and you can be observational and take in things around you, it will also help to grow and inspire whatever it is you're trying to express If you're never open to things around you, you, you know, you can be, you know, you won't have things to express. You won't, you can also easily fall into, you know, those artist slumps as well. If you don't have another thing to be obsessed about, like there are so many, if you think about the top person in any field, whether they're an artist or they are. You know, whatever it is, the top architect in the world, the world's best actors, the world's best dancers, the world, the best baristas in the world. They all have other side things that they are pretty close to like a pro level at. And it's just like a side obsession, something they like to have fun with. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think it's because it helps you get curious and it gives you more inspiration. You, You have whole new groups of people you can interact with. And, you know, I think it's it's just good if you can have that, you know, thing that you can get outside of your art, you know, To if you can <laughs> not have the label of like, I am a drummer. And what is your name? Like, that shouldn't be all who you are. <laughs> it should yeah. be like, you know, you should be able to be like, here, I'm a, this person, I like this and this, and I play drums and, you know, Hey, what excites you? Like, you know, you sh- I think it's it's good to have those other obsessions.
0: Yeah, and that's and an interesting point because I I read a lot of stoicism, and if you look back at if if you look back at some of the most successful, whether it be philosophers or or some of the most successful rulers of all time uh they were they were renaissance people they were polymaths and they you know they were interested in and and had a had a very high uh, 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 were what's the word i'm looking for had a, a very high understanding and capability in in multiple things. Like they were good writers. They, you know, they were, they were into the arts, they were into uh, fitness, all these other things that it wasn't just, they weren't just myopically focused on this one particular thing. Um, And to your point, I think that, I think that we do, we can pull inspiration from somewhere else and, and you start to see how things are interrelated when you're, you know, when you're at the gym and you're working on mobility exercises and you realize like, how that ties into your drumming and when you're drumming, Mm -hmm. you know, some of the stuff that you can do can play into the mobility stuff or how you paint or how you walk or dance or, or anything really, you know, Mm -hmm. how you move around in the world. Um, yeah, I I think think that interconnectivity is, is huge.
1: Totally. There's two, like, (laughs) this is really exciting me right now because I love For example, like you were talking about reading Stoicism and how these people, you know, they're polymaths. And I just finished reading the biography by Walter Isaacson about uh, Leonardo da Vinci, Mm -hmm. like the polymath of all polymaths. That man is really inspiring. Um, And, you know, people just think of him maybe he's just this painter guy, but he's like a painter. He just like helped discover various things about human anatomy. He was an inventor he like he would draw, he has all these amazing you know philosophy, whatever points to add and he was just like a nonstop curious person he would he He took thousands and thousands of pages of notes throughout his lifetime. They estimated he had about twenty thousand pages worth of of notes and drawings and whatever just just stuff that he would think of and what his inspiration, log it down. Um, And they only know about 7,000 that exist today. So there's a bunch that have been destroyed or lost or whatever, but Hmm. he would do things like fill up a whole note page. You could have, since he would try to maximize his paper, he he would have like a hundred random different things on like one page. One would be like, he's trying to just, perfect the facial expression of this. And the next would he be drawing textures for hair. And the next he would have like a question that would be like, okay, find out what a woodpecker tongue looks like or describe a woodpecker's tongue. And that would just be a point for him to do that day. Or like, why is the sky blue? And then the next thing you look down, he's like trying to figure out the geometry to square a circle. So like he would fill up this page with all these curious things And get obsessed, like he would get absolutely obsessed about each one of these things. And yet he was also a painter and he's widely known as just the painter. But like there's so many other things he was obsessed about and obsessed about learning. And he would go down this anatomy rabbit hole for months and then switch over to something else and then try to be an inventor and all these really cool things. So I
0: think... there's a um oh go ahead, sorry.
1: Oh I was just gonna say I, I think if anyone listening wants to become a master at something, I think there's a, a key piece in there is like you know, I think part of becoming a master at something is being constantly curious and having those you know, allowing yourself to go down other other areas as well. And you look at for example from a drumming perspective, someone like Dave Wagel at like world class drummer. He's also really into racing cars and he can also, you know, he got into the whole recording side of his instrument and art form as well, like many different obsessions, or Joja Mayer with his magic stuff and art. And he's apparently obsessed about sharks and all these cool things and, you know, other drummers, uh, obsessed about many various other things. So I think it's it's part <laughs> of like Uh, the mastery side of it is like, don't let your art completely define you. And I think being able to be curious about other things will absolutely bleed into your, your main art form as well.
0: Yeah. It's, it's interesting to me when you brought up, when you were talking about Da Vinci. So there's a, there's a museum in Florence. uh, There's the Leonardo Da Vinci museum and you walk through and there's to your point there's there's drawings and there's human anatomy stuff and then there's there's uh you know human flight and he was trying to figure out yeah. how to how to uh you know how to how humans could fly and then there's all these different inventions and he had he built like he did autopsies and then built replicas yeah. of hearts yeah. and all these other things yeah. and I, the thing that blows my, and, and, and you look at someone like a Benjamin Franklin, who was, who was the same way where he had, he was a polymath and had all of these interests at like mastery level. The thing that always blows my mind about, about these guys is where did they, where did they find the time or not even where did they find the time, but like, how did they do all of this stuff? And why are we unable to do that kind of stuff now? And if you look like Benjamin Franklin, um, there's an old, there's a, a copy of sort of his notebook or like his daily routine. And yeah. he only worked like four or six hours a day. And then there was like <laughs> two hours for lunch an hour and a half for reading, you know, yeah. two hours to have to have dinner or three hours to have dinner with friends. And then it was like relaxing by the fire with wine, you know, like that was his yeah. day. And I I just don't under I don't understand why we can't accomplish those sorts of things now, or is it just a matter of clearing out all the clutter and getting rid of all the distractions and just being focused on those things?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think about this constantly and how I can have more time in my day. <laughs> well, I think there's two things. One thing is they couldn't help themselves To go down those rabbit holes and and do all those things it's just like you know someone might have time now and say oh i got like the whole rest of the night i'm just totally gonna binge this series on netflix whereas like da vinci is like hmm describe the tongue of a woodpecker oh actually there's this you know i have a block of time to do some anatomy and oh i wonder what about this thing no one has discovered this yet oh i'm just gonna go and do this like he can't help himself he's going to learn how to do these things or you know work on his painting skills or and he at the same time is surrounded he would constantly surround himself with other artists and people to both be teaching and imparting wisdom to and i'm sure also just feed off of he would constantly have meetings with his friends as well and they would go and you know they 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 bring different ideas to each other and this reminds me of like the whole Like, you know, that famous Dimitri drawing of the naked dude in the circle, the Vitruvian man, Mm -hmm. Um, that drawing came out of a meeting he had with two friends where they were discussing the shapes of how a church should look. And I think it was along the lines of like, describing how it, it should somehow represent the body of a man. And then I forget exactly how, but it was like, there was a point made from this they were all discussing, I think it was like an architect or a math, a metician or something who was talking about how you could draw, you know, the, the center of a man should be able to fit in or like a circle should fit around the center of the man with the center of being uh, his belly button or something. So each one of these guys later went home and drew their own versions of this. And of course, Leonardo's was the most amazing looking one. And it's like, um, anyways there's that whole thing but like that piece of work came out of that conversation he had with his friend so it's like who you surround yourself with it's how curious you actually are and I think a big portion of it is like they also did not have Netflix and cell phones and Wi-Fi back then as well <laughs> so <laughs> right, right. I think, I think the, the issue is that with cell phones okay if you can even avoid looking at social media if you can delete all those things and free up your time that way the other issue is how kind of connected you are i guess with maybe with trying to respond and keep in touch with people as well even outside of those things like you know Text thinking email that, and yeah that. like there's 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 another aspect of it so i think I think part of it, a big part of it is our cell phones and how we let that consume our time. And it's also just the busyness of modern life. It's very easy to consume consume your time with many things. Um, And then the other side of it is actually how curious you really are about something and how you really value your time.
0: I think that's all very valid, you know, and I, and it's hard, you know, how do you You know, I think eliminating social media is probably harder for some than others, but but not not the end of the world. But like, how do you you know cut off text messages and email and and cell phones and uh and I mean then there's just yeah there's there's a lot of noise. Definitely less noise than there was uh, back then. You know, things were things were a lot simpler. And I think that the further we get away from that, I think the more the more, uh, you know, splintered everything is going to be, and it's yeah. just harder to harder to focus and have that have that deep work on particular things when your phone's vibrating, and you're getting emails, and you know yeah. all these other things are happening. The television's on,
1: and here's the the even more sinister part of it: is even if you do delete all those things, we've now trained our brains enough to be so distractible that even without those things, we are now already like we don't know what to do and we're already fragmented even without those things so on top of that i think we have to relearn how you know we have to relearn focus and we have to relearn some of these other skills and thankfully we have people like andrew huberman who spends his time you know going into great detail about these things on his podcast so if you you want to learn how to hack your current level of focus and be more you know um, you know you basically yeah if you want to learn how to hack anything <laughs> physiologically you can learn it through his podcast and and um, just start to take those small steps to rewiring your brain and um, at the same time I think reading about people like Leonardo da, Vin- da Vinci and maybe challenging who you spend time with You know, are these people challenging you and are these also artists or other people who are bringing ideas for you uh, to improve yourself with or get curious about? That's how you can kind of get around that. But it's, I think, a constant battle and one that I very much need to uh, improve on myself.
0: That's, I haven't. I've never heard of uh, Andrew Huberman. I just, I just brought up his page here, and he has oh, it looks like dude. some real some, some really great. Like I just saw the Rick Rubin one just popped out, but there's Lex Friedman's on here, and and uh, oh man, uh, let me give you
1: my favorite episodes. All
0: right, yeah, <laughs> I would like, like let's let, let's talk about him now. I mean, let I think that okay. everyone would want to hear. Them. So one Peter T is, is have... a great. I got to check that one out too. Oh yeah,
1: yeah so. that that's wonderful. Um, basically, you should just listen to every episode he has on there. Um, but I really loved, there's one he has further back about skill learning, which is fantastic. It helps you just, he gives you so many nice. wonderful hacks about skill who, learning. Who is, it
0: with, is, it, is it like no, a sol, one of his solo episodes? or is one it of his, it I think that's
1: one of his solo episodes. Gotcha. Um, a couple of my favorite ones are his solo episodes where he just does this deep dive. Uh, and I really love the one he did about creativity uh recent somewhat recently and then there's also one where he did um one on it was like as partially about creative creativity but then also about focus and how you can hack your your physiology to be more focused and it can be as simple as like getting sunlight early in the morning and and depending what kind of um you know internal clock you have like if you're a morning person. You're going to have the neurochemical girls are going to be primed to give you the most amount of focus in the morning. And then the afternoon is going to be when you're better primed for your creative thinking, just the way that your, your brain is wired and stuff. So, I mean, I know nothing about this stuff. I'm just regurgitating his podcast stuff. But uh, his, he goes into, like, every single possible detail about it. And it's super fascinating and very helpful
0: man, how have I never, I'm just looking at all this. I'm like, how have I never even heard of this dude? So here's what, here's what I would like to do. If you can send me the links to a couple of your favorite episodes, like I would, I'd okay. love to, I'd love to uh, leave it in the show notes. So people can sure. find it themselves.
1: Okay. If I forget to just email me and I'll make sure I include those.
0: I'll, uh, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll text you and email you and send you a message on Instagram and distract you on every possible uh, medium.
1: Oh yeah, and like then I just can uh, about. learn about how <laughs> I'm failing at that at every level. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Uh, yeah. This is great. Though. I love. I love find. You know, finding new book. I'm actually just getting ready to to finish a book right now. So, uh, oh, I'm gonna, congrats, I'm gonna, man! I'm going to dive into. Well, let's let's not get ahead of ourselves. It's an so, uh, audio book. So,
1: audio books reading, are fantastic, though. I,
0: I love audiobooks. I'm such a slow reader. So I, but I'm always saying, oh yeah, I read that book. And then my buddy Ryan always corrects me. He says, well, you listened to it. And I said, okay, that's fair.
1: Well, I mean, but you are retaining all the information from it. So like, I mean, yeah, you could just say, yeah, I've gone through that book and then no one has the question and they can have go. the, <laughs> that's, what
2: gonna, that's
0: what I'm that's what I'm going to start saying. Oh yeah, I went through that book. That's what I'll do. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's that way. I'm not lying. Yeah, exactly.
0: But the Leonardo da Vinci one I'm, I'm stoked on. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go through that book as well. So. Oh, nice. Um,
1: Yeah. Go, yeah. Make sure you go through it.
0: (laughs) I will. I will. Um, so what, what are some projects speaking of projects and and working on things? What, what are you working on right now that, that you're excited about? Uh,
1: I have, um, many things. I'm, always trying to become a better player but project wise um i have two different practice well maybe three different practice pads i'm trying to make the world does not need any more practice pads they're just whatever rubber surfaces for you to practice on i realize that but um (laughs) the one i want to make is also even been invented many times already it's nothing new the one i want to put out there is like this strap on leg practice pad. And there's already a lot of companies who make them, but they're just, every single one of them is just a Velcro strap with an ugly looking MDF pad. That's just cheaply made. And, you know, you do not look cool if you're playing your jazz gig and you're wearing your suit and you strap on this Velcro thing and, you know, it doesn't look cool (laughs) at all. And, you know, it's something that like, I, I, I it's cooler to have a practice piece that you're kind of like happy to have around with you. I think it's yeah. like, if you, you know, are you going to go and buy a nice journal at the dollar store and, or, you know, you'll treat the journal a lot better if you get one of those nice leather ones. And, you know, it actually looks cool to have with you. And, you know, of course, then you can pretend that you actually are serious. You can show up at the coffee shop with your laptop, put your headphones in and put your journal on the table and do nothing. Hello. <laughs> okay. okay. I just got told I have to leave the shop, so I'm going to go sit somewhere else quick. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, but I'm here still. Uh, I'll just. There's like another chair right outside here because it's in a hotel lobby. So. Um, what was I just saying? Oh, yeah, what I'm working on. So I want to make a practice pen that has like a nice leather leg strap so it actually looks cool with like a quick release option. And I've made it. It turns turned out perfectly and i'm really happy about it um but the quick release thing's a little bit too complicated because uh it's made with this kind of old military technology from the 60s another thing i was obsessed about for many years was military gear and i had actually like i for some reason got obsessed about vietnam u.s vietnam era military gear and watched all the movies and I had every piece of gear you could think of times two. It was so bad. Uh, Anyways, I've sold it all since then, and and that obsession is gone now. So it's just drums. But um, So that practice pad, I'm going to put on the back burner until I can fix that strap and make it more simple to use. And then um, now I'm trying to make another practice pad that's just like a 12-inch pad. Again, nothing really too new, other than it's going to look really cool and have some of my artwork on the back, drawings. And I want it to look a little bit like rug, old rugged military gear. But you know, there's the drawings on the back are going to be like inspired by some of Leonardo's, just like that flavor of of stuff. I wanted to have this cool cool vibe about it. Um, nice. So that is a project I'm working on, and I need to get that out. And then I want to. Um, the group that I have right now together, I want to play a bunch of shows this year and try to record an album or something that would be fantastic. Um, that, and, um, I'm trying to put together some stuff to eventually put out a book, which is not going to be like a, a drum notation book, but rather like a book about, hopefully about creativity and all these things. Um, but I, yeah, that one is, is more I have no clue when that'll be done. It's probably like more like a two or three year project, that one. Um, And- can't imagine
0: how long it takes to write a book.
1: Yeah, I have no idea because (laughs) I'm only at the beginning. Uh, (laughs) And I know nothing really about it, but um, anyways, yeah, that's like a very long-term kind of project I've just started. And for this year though, the only cool thing I have coming up right now is the end of July that's, that is at least booked for now. I'm heading to Nashville with uh, Ron Donette and Jeff Woods. We're going to go do the Nashville Drum Show and then do clinics and some recording at the Memphis Drum Shop. So that, that's kind of what I have coming up right now.
0: Nice, man. So what's the, what's the best way for people to keep, a, keep following with what you're doing? Should they do it on Instagram or...
1: Oh, Instagram's great for now, yeah. Until I can get a proper setup to put quality stuff on YouTube again. Um, Instagram's probably the best best place. I am a little bit on TikTok now uh as well if they want to check out that. But Instagram yeah, I'm there. If you message me I will respond.
0: <laughs> nice. Well good deal, man. I could I could ha- I mean I we could go down I think you and I are on the same page with going down rabbit holes of like of the people who came before us and and how they operated and how they thought and how they learned and created. And, and, uh, so I, the, I love this conversation. I could, I could talk about this for hours. Man, um, we I need to be...
1: like, Oh, sorry. I cut you off. No, no, no. Go I ahead. Saying, I meant to have, uh, someday meet in person, have some coffee and keep talking about Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> I, w-
0: I would love that. I would love that. I got to, I got to go through the book first. Then I'll have, okay. more, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Go, have more to talk about. Gotta
1: go through
0: it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm excited, man. I, I appreciate the book recommendation and the podcast recommendation too. So, um, but also I will, I'll link up, um, I'll put how people can get in touch with you and, and keep track of you and all that uh, in the show notes. Um, but other than that, man, dude, thank you so much for, for taking the time to chat. I appreciate it. Thanks for being so flexible with your time. And uh, it was, it was great to have you on the show.
1: My absolute pleasure, Nick. Thank you for everything. Thank you for the wonderful questions, the wonderful conversation and for putting out your show with all these amazing drummers and so much inspiration. I just listened finished the gavin harrison episode today and i really enjoyed that so many great pointers in there so i think you've created a very valuable resource for drummers to get inspired from and learn from
0: well thank you man that means a lot and there's there's a lot more there for you too so i'm sure that uh there's actually an old uh neil peart interview on there that i did not do but but uh i it's a long story on how i i got it but but it's on there so if you want to check that out
1: you know it's funny i have to confess i also started listening to the jojo interview and uh i've i have made it halfway and i'm maybe i'll finish it uh now that i've i've somewhat graduated out of that cloning phase but <laughs> 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 uh, i i really enjoyed that as well uh, so far but i'll check out the new nice. peer one that's really cool
0: good deal yeah i'll, I'll shoot you the link to it um But thank you again enjoy the the uh the rest of your day and uh and keep doing what you're doing
1: thank you very much i will i would love to keep in touch as well i hope you have a wonderful rest of your day
0: thanks brother you too okay there you have it that's Ruben Spiker and you can find the show notes by going to drummersresource.com forward slash session 674 also check out Ruben on Instagram you'll be glad that you did if you're not following him already and if you dig the podcast do me a favor leave a rating leave a review you can do that on Apple Podcasts that lets people know that they should be listening to this podcast and other than that that's all I got so until the next podcast keep drumming thank you so much for listening and I'll be talking to you soon peace Drummer's Resource is produced by Revoice Media. Executive producer Nick Ruffini, that's me, edited by Justin Thomas, video editing by Tomas Shannon, and graphic design by katherine Wade. For more music and entertainment podcasts, be sure to check out RevoiceMedia.com.